thing we do here tonight for Let's Talk. This is probably our first long live Let's Talk. I'm doing it in conjunction with a couple of different entities. So we're doing it in conjunction with the podcast Ain't Crack Different Day. We got Lady Wu from Vital, who's gonna be our interviewing interviewer. Uh, and tonight we're gonna talk about something that's pretty near and dear to my heart, and it's coming out to your parents. Um, working in the field of HIV, we find a lot of kids who, uh, even before the HIV becomes a problem, just coming out to their parents becomes a big problem. It actually fuels a lot of the, the, the things that we have to fight. Homelessness usually gives way to sex work, which usually gives way to STIs, HIV, and other diseases. So tonight, we are hoping that we can provide like a roadmap uh, for parents who don't know what to do. Because I think a lot of times, and our parents will tell you a little bit later, the feelings that parents get the first time they hear or the first time they think, oh, my child is gay. Like, what the hell does that mean? So uh, with that being said, um, I'm gonna bring Lady Wu up and she's gonna continue. But our first thing once she comes up is gonna be a story, a coming out story by one of my good friends, uh, Chris. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? Thank you for coming out. Yeah, I got that. Coming out. All right, so y'all don't have to be quiet. It's a conversation, but we probably will have some audience participation who probably serve the role as the crew. So I know that I had names in my phone, but my phone is going live. Hello, live. Chris, come on up. So, Chris. So, I think that the reason why Tony asked me to do this story is so that he can laugh tonight, number one. Um, because he thinks it's one of the funniest stories he's heard. And um, I guess for some, it'll kind of set the pace or some of the tone of uh, what coming out can be. Um, and maybe some mistakes that were kind of made along the way of the coming out. Um, so let me first say, so you'll get some little understanding, that growing up in the house with my mom, my, my mom and I sound a lot alike when I was a lot younger. So when my brother was in another room, if I called him or if she called him, he would just say ma'am for the sake of safety. When her friends would call the house, and if I answered the phone, you would hear, girl, I've been trying to call you all day, and I'd say, hold on, and let me get my mom to the phone. So that kind of gives you an idea of how this kind of went down. I was about 15, and um, this is really a coming out, this is kind of a smash out. Um, I was about 15, and I had what I thought was a little friend, and we're gonna call him Fulton so that we can um, not call names to protect the innocent. All right, and so Fulton drove this green, this purple gremlin, and he drove through my neighborhood playing, Mama, don't let your baby grow up to be cowboys. And I thought that quirkiness was kind of cute. So I started to kind of sort of, I guess, date him. 
without people knowing. But in the interim, I still was experimenting. Um, and so one night I was on this date and um, we had to ride back home and we were getting ready to say our good night, our kisses, good nights. And my mom comes to the car and she just bams on the passenger side window. And um, I'm just like, oh, what is going on? <laughs> and so I look at him and I'm like, she's like, bring your behind in the house. She probably said something else, but my mom wouldn't let curse. So she probably just said behind. And I said, okay, here I come. And I kind of said, okay, well, good, good night. You know, I'm looking at her and I'm looking at him. And I'm kind of nervous to go inside. But I go inside because I have to come inside. And she shoves this phone in my face. And I take the phone and I start walking toward my bedroom. And I say, hello? And so Todd was on the phone. And Todd said to me, what took you so long to come back to the telephone? And I was like, so long? What are you talking about? And still I felt this sharp pain to the back of my head. And I went down, the phone went one way, and there was this woman standing over me I didn't know anymore, beating me with this broom. Until the broom broke. And she walks the storms out of the room. She is angry. And she tells me to go to bed and she doesn't want to see me for the rest of the evening. So the following morning, it turns out that Todd called and assumed he was speaking to me, but he was speaking to my mom. And in so doing, he spilled the beans. I guess he was calling to thank me for sex or whatever we had done or whatever the situation was. And she went on to say that he told her about other boys that I called myself liking, like, please don't like Z, because he's not the guy for you, I'm the guy. Don't like Fulton, he's not the guy for you, I'm the guy, kind of situation. And she just listened and took all this information in, so she got a whole lot of stuff within however long they were on the phone that she really didn't need. Some of the stuff she knew, but she said these words to me. Baby, just promise me that you don't put your mouth on the <laughs> and I just looked at her and I'm thinking to myself, what does she do? You're just 14 to 15. Like, what does she mean? I'm thinking, but I'm really good. You'll be proud, kind of thing, you know. And she, and she looked at me. <laughs> and I said, no, mom, I'm not doing that. Like, that's nasty. But at the time, when I was just 15, what else do you do? I mean, I didn't think about sex. She didn't talk to me about sex for real. So she's RN. She goes to work the following day. I go to school. She comes back home. Tuesday, she tells me, I'm not going to school, but I have to have a physical. So she takes me to my to our, our doctor, and he gives me a full physical. He checks my mouth, and he checks my feet, and my hands, and my anus. He checks everything. <laughs> Excuse me. And so I was a little nervous, because when he got ready to do the anal exam, the rest of the time he had his gloves on. But he took his gloves off. And so he gave me this stuff that I was supposed to insert every day. I don't know what I was supposed to do. But I told my mom, I said, something was wrong and kind of funny. I mean, I never really felt this way before, but when he put his, when he got ready to do my anal exam, he took his gloves off. And my mom said, that's really strange. And something came of that. I never really knew how she handled it. But the following day, she said to me, I'm not ready to deal with you. So you're going to this place, 
and you're going to be there for a few days until I can get myself together, until I get my mental together. And I've already made arrangements, and I pack your bags, and you'll probably be there for about seven days or so. So I get to this place, and there are all these little young boys, and they're white boys, and they're black boys, and they're Hispanic boys, and I don't know what to do, and I'm just scared, and I'm like, are you sure you're going to leave me here? And she was like, oh yes, baby, you got to stay here for a few weeks, or maybe at least she said a week. So um, I go inside, I introduce myself, and you know, I meet the little guys. And so the following day, a few of them kind of cornered me and was like, why are you here? And I'm like, well, why are you here? Well, I beat up my teacher, or I cursed out my grandmother, or I did this. And I said, well, I'm in here because my mom found out that I was gay. And the only thing the little Hispanic boy heard was, so you suck me? I was like, uh, huh? And so you can just imagine how my few days was. <laughs> but for the next few days, it was a lot of practice because people knocking on my door <laughs> throughout the night. I mean, just night after. I was probably about, you know, maybe like another 48 hours, but every night, people knocking on the door like, and I was like, come on in. <laughs> so finally, my mom calls me maybe the third day. We're going into the third day. And I, she taught me to cook. So I'm cooking food, and they bring me to the phone, and we're playing and having a great time. We're balling out. Because all of a sudden, I got all these new friends. <laughs> I'm doing my new thing that I just learned to do. And I'm cooking and cleaning and doing the stuff I know to do. And I'm going, I'm having a good time. Like, girl, you couldn't have put me in a better place. Like, what's up? Hey. <laughs> so she calls me and she's like, what are you up to? And I says, well, I'm cooking. She's like, okay. I said, that's one of the chores they had me doing. She's like, really? I was like, yes, ma'am. And so some boy taps me on the show. I said, oh, stop playing, Johnny. And stop playing, Bobby. And we just kind of, you know. And she said, what is going on? And I said, well, we're laughing and playing. And, and I'm going to, I got to finish cooking. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> And I hang up because I had other stuff to do. And so probably within 45 minutes of that, she's down. And she's like, you call home. Right now. Because she assumed in her mind that I was going to this place and I was being punished for being gay, I guess. And I was going to have a time. And I was going to be sad and crying and begging her to come get me. But she I was having a ball. And so I go back home, and when I finally do get back home, um, she just says to me, it's not a topic for discussion. Like, we're just not gonna talk about it. Um, I was on like a lot of restrictions, like there were certain things I could and could not do. Um, and so then after that, it just kind of mailed into something we just, we didn't discuss. Like it was just something that never, anybody. Um, I learned years later, that you know, at that time, my parents had gotten divorced. That sometimes, that when she would try to, when men would try to date her, they would say, "Oh, you're the girl with the gay son." Little things like that people would say. So people, even adults, are mean when it comes to this type of thing. You know, um, if she were here, I think she would say that. We talked about it a little bit today. That if she had to do it all over again, um, that of course she'd have made some changes. Um, she didn't understand, you know, what was going on. Um, and so and she was afraid for me and my safety and put, having the physical and putting me in this place until she could come up with this plan for me was what she thought was the best thing for me at that time. But now we have the best relationship 
Um, I couldn't have asked for a better mom. I have no hard feelings about that time. I mean, it's actually now really, really, really funny to me. And we laugh about it a lot. Uh, my brother got away with a lot of things because I was the gay brother. So if he wanted to go and be with Judy, and my mom would say, Mom, you just can't go tonight. You just want me to stay home and be gay like Chris. Here's the keys of twenty dollars, baby. Good night. <laughs> so, and then he would call me and kiss me on my face and tell my uncle he loved me. And Chris, I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't mean it like that. You don't understand, right? I just want to go out with you. Like, and mom's not gonna let me go if I don't use the gay car. So, and I bring you something back, and that's gonna happen. So, and that's my story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a question. Sure. <laughs> so it took that long, or it has taken this long for you all to be okay with having a conversation. So I think that um, by the time I was, so I was about 15, so by the time I was 17 or 18, we just started having small conversations. Mm. How did they happen? Um, I wanted a boyfriend. Mm. And um, I hadn't had a boyfriend for real, and there was this, I always had this thing about respect. So other people would have boyfriends and they said they talked to them on the phone. And I I didn't allow boys to call my ass. Mm -hmm. Like if you like me, we just had to see each other at school. And that's because you sound like your mom. Yeah, well no, not so much of, even that. It was just, I was afraid that she would not like it. Okay. And then possibly that too, because they got on the phone. Don't tell me that. So, I don't know, but we finally started having conversations about it. Um, I think what really helped her is that there are other family members who would say to her, you know, Chris is really a great child. You know, it was that kind of thing that really motivated her to kind of look past that aspect of like, he could really be doing so much worse. Like he could have done so many other things. And if this is it, then girl, I think you can get through this kind of situation. So I had a lot of family support. Like that really helped her and it helped me. I remember being at family functions and um, I didn't have a lot of kids my age, and I had older girl cousins and younger boy cousins, and they were out there booty popping. I remember at an event, and I kind of got down and called myself booty popping too. And some man was like, who is that gay boy out there? And my uncle was on the turntables. He stopped the music. He was like, oh, that gay is ours. Now, you, if you got a problem, you got to go. Because he belongs to us. And we were announced like, what is going on? You know, so that family support from her brothers and sisters and people like that really helped encourage her to kind of embrace that it could be, I guess, worse. Because I didn't think it was a bad thing. Um, I think the only thing when I think back now is that she didn't have the education, educational aspect of how to talk to a gay son, I guess, per se. Because the only thing she really told us about sexual stuff was, um, if you get anything, take it, go down to the Watkins Clinic. You don't know what they said, right? Don't come home with it. <laughs> like, don't bring whatever you get out there. Don't bring it to mama's house. You go down to the Watkins Clinic, tell them who your mama is, and they'll take care of you. Okay. So it's kind of like that kind of situation, yeah. So education is important. It is. And once mama became a little bit more educated on how to handle different situations, do you feel that at that point, it wasn't necessary to talk about it because now we are all educated and I'm educated, you're educated, I'm good. I'm gay, but I'm good, I'm okay. Did it change because of education or do you think it just changed because of time? I think a lot of time, for one thing. And I think second, hmm, some education, but I just think that mostly it was just the time. 
the more time we had together, the more time she had to learn that I, felt, I always looked at it as like this death. Like parents go through this, they have this idea that this is my son and who he's going to be. And then all of a sudden, you've got somebody that you don't know or you assume you don't know. And so I just had to kind of remind her that I'm still your little boy kind of situation or your big boy because mm -hmm. I was the oldest, I was the quote unquote man of the house. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of, you know, kept us um, close. So I continued to do the things I did and, um, and we got through it. And I'm really proud of, you know, the relationship we have. I'm proud of the person that she um, allowed me to be. Um, and I'm really proud of the person that she is. I think that, you know, it was important that after the hurt, because again, for me, I always look at it as a death. So after the anger, mm -hmm. and after the other little things that come along with symptoms of death, then you get a chance to open up to this whole new idea, your new reality. And so this was her new reality that she had, this special son, is what she called it. Oh, no. right. <laughs> you all have anything? Any questions? Yes, sir. You know, I just heard you say that some hurt, and you were saying that anger, and it was the man in the house. And I, and first of all, thanks for sharing and having the courage to share. It was really powerful, and I could I relate to that. But again, you said about anger, you said there was some hurt, the man in the house, and you said you were beaten when you was young, and then the isolation. Uh, I want you to relive this, but was there any therapy or any treatment for mental health or some, I know you said that support with your family. Though that with other behaviors and environments, you're not older, even where you are today, that help you to get to where you are and dealing with that, because some of them could be very traumatic. I didn't have, um, well, I took that back. Now that you say so, I did go to some therapy, um, and that was a part of what she did. Um, so during the course of, I just, I just didn't recall of me having the physical, and then of course going to the, um, to the boys' home, per se. And then my next step when I got home, a part of that is that I saw a counselor twice a week until he just kind of said the same thing, like he's gonna be okay kind of situation. Um, and um, and it helped her. Um, I don't know if it really helped me. Uh, I'm sure it did at some point, but I just kind of got a chance to go in there and just talk about it. So I guess being able to just um, dish it out to someone who wasn't necessarily being judgmental or who wasn't hurting like she was hurting, um, gave me a chance to just tell all kind of stuff. I'm sure you wish you had never had to hear. <laughs> but you know, at that age when you're just finding, you know, you're that age when you're finding sexuality. So you have this idea of what sex is. I don't really know what sex is. Like I said, I never knew that we did this. And then when I found out we did this other stuff, I was like, ugh. So it was kind of, you know, like I didn't know. So for years I was in this bubble of, ooh, I don't do that kind of situation. So yeah, being able to let a lot of that out probably helped more than what I think it did. And like I said, so that really is a good thing. You know, like I said, some of the things maybe not so good, but that was a few of the things. She certainly I had to have a physical. And so he says I was not HIV positive, blah, blah, blah. And I think I had a physical maybe six months later. Um, and like I said, I was just experimenting something new, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of things that I guess would have been too risky. Uh, but then I learned that you know what the risks were, and so um, I think it helped for both of us. My brother being a straight man, and and myself, I think that with this new journey, then it also outside of him, you know, using me to get out of the house, um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> helped both of us, you know, learn more. Um, 
And I appreciate her for that. Any other questions? Well, thanks for listening and thanks for coming out. I'm going to yield the panel back to Lady Ruth. Thanks for Indeed. So now we're going to hear some coming out stories from two different two different angles. Coming to the stage right now, Tony Christian Walker. Put your hands together for Tony. Another one on the platform. His mother, Joanne Walker Lucas. Come on, Mr. Stevenson. And his mother, Mary Jackson. We'll come to them. I think it's okay that we go to them once we have our, our ending of our conversation and see what they said. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Coming out. Why is that even necessary? You know, um, so I've heard people say. I've heard people say that it's not really more. It's not more coming out. It's kind of letting people in. Um, you know, because we know who we are, and we kind of hide ourselves from the people who love us. So it's kind of more like letting people in, I think, than coming out of, I don't know where that came from. You no, know, our lives are different. Okay. Just All right, so your thoughts on why coming out is even necessary? Or letting people in? Um, does this work? I don't think that works. No, but um, like you said, I don't think for coming out is really for other people, for me. It's coming for you know, because it's not important to me how other people, you know, who you like, how you like, how you like them, and I don't think it should be important to you. But for some reason, to a lot of people, it's important for you know, them to know who you who you like and why you like them. Why that's important, I don't know, but that's just you know, it's not a big thing for me. Okay, I wondered about that. Yes. I think one thing about uh, when they say coming, when they say coming out, is because of the fact that so many people have their families don't even know. So by their families not knowing, then coming out is letting their families know. I don't, I don't think it's so much of the the the, the community of the world, but it's just to let their families know. That's the way I feel. Well, I'm saying the same thing, you know, piggybacking on what you're saying and uh, coming out. It, I didn't know my child was gay for a while. And the way I found out was uh -oh. through a family member, and which was my niece, and which is his first cousin. Okay. And she knew a whole lot more than I did because we have a close-knit family, mm -hmm. and she knew more about him than the person that he's standing in the house with. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it kind of, when she came to me, and I was like a mother to her, and uh, she said, I need to talk to you. And you know, she said, I don't want you to feel a certain kind of way because he didn't come to you. And I felt like that, I always had the door open for my children to come and talk to me about anything, mm -hmm. but I, it wasn't that that he wanted to talk to me about. Dad, what would make your cousin feel like she should go and talk to your mama? <laughs> and how did she feel about that? 
So, honestly, this is the first time I'm hearing about this conversation. But, I mean, because, you know, this is about, you know, coming, you know, coming out. And, honestly, 100%, honestly, we haven't ever had that conversation. And it's kind of like, you know, for me, was um, understood that need to be said. But to answer your question, like you said, my family is kind of, we are really close. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. And she's like the my big sister. I mean, she was the, you know, talk to her. Well, I can't talk to her now. Okay. <laughs> she's okay. okay. But she's like big sister. So, like, for her, She's kind of like the cousin I am now. Mm -hmm. When there's some stuff going on, they gonna come to me. But then, if it's something I need to pass on along, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna do it. And then I gotta say it right. You know, I gotta tell on mm -hmm. but I gotta say it while I'm telling on you. <laughs> and so that's why I wouldn't be mad. Okay. Cause kind of, you know, because I've been in that situation. Where okay. No, nah, we got to tell that. So you know it. And. And she did, it was because she loved me. She just wanted to, you know, be right. Okay, so the purpose of this conversation for others would be to help them understand that it should be okay. It should be okay. should be okay. It should be okay. It should be okay. It should be okay, I agree. Because Tony didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> I was a very young mother. And I always wanted my children educated about sex, I wanted them to know we about alcohol, all of those things, because I was young and there was a lot of things that I didn't know. But we're walking around East Lake Park, uh, his two sisters and I. Uh, Tony was in school and I know that anytime he and I talked, we were always bumping heads. And I'm going, what in the world is wrong? It's always something going on. And we walk around East Lake Park and they go, So she, she done forgot about this. No, it didn't, but I just did. There were things that I saw that, that, that wasn't my child, you know. The, I, <laughs> <laughs> so let, so, so let, me, tell you, let me tell you the first thing that happened. So I had a roommate my, my freshman, my sophomore year of college. And my roommate was like really eccentric. He was a little spoiled rich boy. And uh, he used to be, beat up his girlfriend. So, you know, me and my other roommates and one of my friends uh, would see him jump on his girlfriend and we'd be like, who up would she believe him? So, Summer came and, and, he, and the girlfriend went home 
And then another girl moved in like almost the next day. But he didn't beat her. So she lived with us the whole summer. And then summer ended. And then she left and the old girlfriend came back. And he started with her again. And I'm like, oh my God. So one day she was just crying. And me and my roommate had told, my roommate was my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> we, we were like, um, girl, don't let him be on you no while you was gone. You know, Captain Red's been with you the whole time. She was like, what? So they broke up. So we're like, okay, we just saved her from ass whipping. Well, I don't know what he told her, but they it was homecoming at Auburn. And I, we saw them walking around together. He had her walking around with her. He looked at us and he did me like this. So, <laughs> so I knew something was going on. I knew something was up. Well, ironically, I also had a child my freshman year of college. That's so. what you want to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just meant it worked. <laughs> but um, my son was probably about a week old, and he called my mama and my dad and told them that me and uh, my roommates were fucking. And they swooped down on that apartment like an eagle on a rat. <laughs> And packed my shit up, <laughs> and they packed up in about forty-five minutes, threw my stuff in the truck, and brought me home. <laughs> this was on a Friday, so I still, I still got the pictures of my son when he was just a little baby because I was like, okay, I'm gonna get out of this. So I made their lives miserable while I was at home. Like I didn't talk to nobody. I didn't want to be bothered. I'm like, I'm not gonna be the only one miserable around this campus. And uh, so finally, a couple days went by and they let me come back to school. So I was like, okay, I avoided that. Now, me, I don't know why that didn't really stick. I guess, you know, I pleaded in my case or whatever. The baby didn't hurt. It, the baby didn't really hurt. So uh, I also had another boyfriend after me and this one broke up. And we used to write each other letters all the time. So the way my sister found out that I was gay was I would hide my letters in my comic books and me and, we'll just call him Jay. And me and Jay used to write letters, because back in the 80s you didn't have email, you literally had to write letters. So when we would write letters to each other, we would, like, I would put them in my comic books. We would never sign them with our names. We were both Prince fans, so we'd always sign them with names of Prince titles, like Love, Purple Rain, or Love, Glam Slam, or whatever. <laughs> so when I came back home, finally, my sister found my comic books. And with the combining the comic books, because my younger sister will read comic books, they found in the comic books, she also found the letters. And she put two and two together and realized what was going on. Because my girlfriend's name was Grace. So anybody from Birmingham remember when Western Hills was a real mall back in the day? We were walking through the mall and there was like a little waterfall in the middle of the mall. And my friend Lynette ran up to me and she goes, Tony, Veronica knows. And I'm like, Veronica knows what? She goes, about Grace. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so I went up to my sister and she was just looking at me like just like she was just totally disappointed. And she goes, I just can't believe this. Like, I cannot believe you did not tell me that. And I'm like, well, you know what color around. I'm like, right, you know, I didn't know what to do, you know. I didn't know how anybody was gonna take it. She told me at that point, mama already knew. I'm like, y'all work fast. But me and my sister were really, really close. Like, I was the worst big brother you could possibly have. Like, we're four years apart. She was dating a guy who was a year older than me, who was living in Atlanta. 
And when we would tell my mama that we were bringing Veronica down to Auburn, we were really taking it to Atlanta and leaving for the weekend. <laughs> like, I was that big brother. Uh, so I could, yeah, she was, she was hurt. <laughs> You know, because we had so many secrets. But, um, so I was kind of like gently pulled out of the closet. And, and, and I think, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for my mama for this. At no time did I ever feel like I was in danger. We, we, we deal with kids every day who, who lies are put in danger. Because once they get that information, they get put out. Um, just ostracized. And I mean, we all who work in this field, we deal with it every day. And for the life of me, I don't know, I don't know what it feels like to be a parent who, I don't know, who has this one idea for your child and then it comes out to be something else. You know? Because I mean, it was, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot for me. But then once I told them, I'm like, oh, so I've been hiding this for, for this for no reason. <laughs> So a friend of mine had a picture. He was about two. And on his picture, he posed like, like it was that type of pose. His mom was like, girl, I always knew. <laughs> two years old, posing like that. And the picture's hilarious. And he was like, yeah, I always knew as well. You all didn't always know, is what I'm hearing. And you all didn't always admit. There you go first, because I think I'm taking up too much space. I'll so I will say that but I will say that I personally have always known but so I'll say I had an uncle that was um, gay and I saw how people were when he was there. You know, most of the time everybody was good. There were some people uncomfortable, but when he left, you know, there would be all kinds of comments made and you know, all kinds of stuff. So I was like, mm, yeah, I don't want that for me. But so, you know, there were instances where throughout, I was always gonna be me. And that's one thing that my uncle there, Peggy, that was a conversation that he had with me was, just be you, and people not gonna like you, but just be you. And then a conversation with my grandma that was, if you, if basically if they say something about you that's true, what you gonna get mad for? So that kept me from, a lot, I'm 37 years old and never been in a fight in my life. Mm -hmm. So during school, if you called me gay, you come, Moving on. And so, and I didn't get all the rest of it. But, I forget what, what the question was. What did you know? Oh, but I knew from the beginning. I tried to fake it. I had a little, tried to have a little girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> and there were actual females that really, really liked me. Yes. Even to this very day, though. Yeah, but. He actually.
You understand what I'm saying? I mean, the women, yes, they're after him, but that's not him. But me, in saying that, when I found out he was, to the core of saying, yes, inklings, yes, you have. I had the inkling, but denial, as a parent, because, yes, I was looking to say, okay, I'm going to have some grandchildren and all these different things. But no, no. It can happen. It still can happen. True enough. He can adopt one or two. I still take them like they're not. You know what I mean? Okay. Maurice is my grandson. I'm going to start. All right. So I just, for me, of inklings, my son is a fashion person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he can put you an outfit together that make you want to like, really? That together? But when you walk out with it together, people are like, oh, I love that. I love that. I'm like, <laughs> you know. So that was an inkling for me. And of him being gay. But the truth of when the, the final analysis for me knowing was my niece coming to me. He didn't know that she came to me. She said, I want you to know, but I want him to come to you mm -hmm. and tell you. But that's how, that's how it is. <laughs> did, so did you have any singular specific I did. <laughs> did have little inkling because he didn't seem to be, he wasn't a boy boy growing up. You know, the, the boy that, that, that shoot marbles and the boy that climb trees and, and the boy, because during those times kids were outside. Yeah. <laughs> I was good at marbles and I could climb me some trees. But, but, that was a one one. So there were still little things that that were little inklings of things. But by the time he uh, went off to school, and the next thing that I'm hearing is that this girl is pregnant. Oh no, he just can't be, you know. Uh-uh, no, it does you know, so that goes out of the window. That goes completely, completely out of the window then. Until we had that talk with when the girls had that talk. This is the other talk that he and I had, and I'm going, baby, they told me that you're, you're, you're gay. He said, mama, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> she had a five-speed Nissan Sentra. We were going on some railroad tracks and got hung up on the track. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to know, during that, during that time, there was one person that grew up in our neighborhood and uh, he was he was gay, but he was that, more than gay. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. So I said, Tommy, you ain't gonna be running around like that, is you? He said, Mama, I'm a man. He said, No, I said, say, tell it like you said it. I said he's a sister. I'm just gay. <laughs> Cause he was a bit much. He was a bit. He was a bit extra. <laughs> but but you know I didn't do what the. What did you tell me? 
Well, that's good, I tell you. You told me that, uh, Mama, I'm a gay man, and the only thing that that means is it said, I'm in love with another man. Yeah. He, me and him, we had this conversation. And, and the thing about it, people don't get that. Like, they yeah. want to make it into so many other things. At mm -hmm. the end of the day, you know, you're still the same person. Yeah. yeah. You know, but with those inklings, like, I was not the average, I was not the average boy in my for my neighborhood. Uh, most of the guys who I grew up would play football or basketball. I had a basketball goal. We played baseball in my growing yard, but I wasn't going to get on nobody's team because it's coming too hot. Uh, so I didn't, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't do those. Don't back away, you know, you know. <laughs> I well, he totally made some macrame baskets. I mean, beautiful macrame baskets. And I had a child, and 
But those are all things that I did to, to get along because it was all, and it wasn't like I was trying to be DL or in the closet. I just didn't want to have to deal with being ostracized by society. You know, when he came along, it was probably a little bit better. And now, like, I don't even understand why people even go through that mess now. I just don't. <coughs> so basically, like, now coming out is unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's necessary. I think it's necessary, but I just don't think that it should be as big a deal as who is it necessary for? That's kind of how we open the conversation. Yeah. So, 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 mom, let's talk about religion. I was about to go there. Yeah, so, like, so, well, you go ahead and go, go, do your thing. But we know how he is, too. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Nope. Spirituality next, and religion next, and church next. So, Tony and I have had this conversation on several occasions, which is why I was going here next. The part about the parents and you having to basically usher your child into being okay, or you have to be okay for them to be okay and to have this, this is my child, and he's who he is, and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna protect my child by all means necessary. But then you go to places like church where it's okay, we want them to read the songs and, and teach the songs and play the keyboard. We want them to do all of that. But, okay, man, it's just not gonna work. So that was never a problem for you. No, no. And then what what people deal well, with from church. Well, okay. Oh, you talking about when you got married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, but but she's talking about during the time no, that you were going up. Yeah, up. growing up in church. I mean, Tony grew up in church. Uh, Tony was uh, 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 superintendent of Sunday school. Uh, there were people that would whisper, uh, but I didn't deal with it. Those that were my uh, true associates, and I'm not going to say friends, but those who are my true associate, associate, they love Tony. Tony has aunties that are still at our church right now. Uh, these aunties are the ones that when he did to decide to get married, you know, I and go to this wedding life and they said, Joanne, do you know that's your child? You have to be there for your child. And that's what I did. I was there for him. It was a beautiful ceremony. And that man named Robert, I love him. He's the best thing that ever happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then we keep it because church, we just like grow in school, we yeah. go to the next grade, we go to the next level in our mm-hmm. spiritual lives and our in our religious spaces. Yes. So, some things that you've heard of or we saw that your son went through with church. Um. Go ahead. Is it okay? What bothers you now? Nothing. Oh, 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 about not going to church? Yeah. Yeah, that bothers me, him not being in church. Because I thought that I had taught him that you don't worry about people. They have no heaven nor hell to put you in. Glory. God told (laughs) 
This is the Christian that I am. This is the Bible that I read. He didn't tell me to judge him. He said, judge not. That's the, that's the person that I am, and that's who I want him to be. So we had this conversation because Tony stopped going to church, and I'm going, oh, my son don't love you no more. So I, I said, I got to talk to him. I said, hey, babe. He said, what, Mom? I said, do you still love God? He said, Mama, I love God. He said, it's his little cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. His little cheerleaders that I The ones that want to say that my sin is worse than your Sin is sin. I don't care who it is. Where it comes from. So why am I trying to judge somebody? You've been out there hope-marking. You've been out there committing adultery. But then him being gay, God, gonna, he going to burn in hell. Well, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> So that's how that's how I feel. That's right. Sure. Now, uh, with with Derek, uh, with church, no problem. Mm -hmm. The whole while we were at our church, Derek left our church once he got involved. Mm -hmm. When they go off to college, that's they right. feel like they can't come back home. <laughs> but home is there. But. I don't care where you serve. Mm -hmm. That's it. If the God is in you, that's it. I don't care where you go. Mm -hmm. And there was in the choir, Sunday school, all of my youth department, in every activity, the voice that my son had. I thank God for yes, <laughs> because. Don't you cry. <laughs> That's it. That's not right, That's not right Mama. That's, That's not right. That's it. Because you can hear mm -hmm. it in him when he said, yes, I can hear. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when he sings, he's like crying out. Mm -hmm. He's crying out. And he wants people to know and want people to listen. Mm -hmm. To learn and not to judge. I don't care who you are. Yes. I don't care who you are. That's right. If your child, your child is gay or lesbian, mm -hmm. they are yours. Yes. And I have a family that loves unconditionally. And we get together every second Sunday of the month to have dinner for no earthly reason. Because we are taking the trait that my mom, her mom, put there for us to be together, regardless of what nationality you are. Yes. How, what color you are, it does not matter. It's all about love, yes. yes. It's all about yes. love. Yes. And until we, mm -hmm. we go back to the Bible, mm -hmm. we go into hell in a handbag. Thank you. We are. None of us can judge anybody. None of us. And I, I, me, I am sitting up under a man that I 
don't agree with his philosophy simply because he is trying to put it on church bylaws uh -huh. that he don't want to marry gay and lesbian. It's not for us to, to judge. It's not. It's not. I don't like it. I didn't vote for the bylaws. And I, I'm sitting under him. But I don't like it. But I'm going for the word. As long as the word is going for, I'm fine. But keep your opinions to yourself. Sermon. Preach and teach, yes. So if, if anybody listens to our podcast, same crap different day, you know, Derek and I, we share a lot of the same characteristics. Um, but we also differ on some things. And it's interesting just watching us sit here. Uh, you know, oppose each other on the this, on this stage. <clears throat> like my mom said, I was in church. I probably went to church more than she did, you know, back when I was gone. But I'm also a little bit more headstrong. Like, Derek, I, the, what I love about Derek and hate at the same time is that Derek will find a middle ground to just about anything. If there can be a middle ground found, he's going to find it. Me, not so much. Like, my problem with church was, I'm not finna come up in there and let you say I'm going to hell and let you talk down to me or even say things about me and not say anything about it. When Bobby and I first got married, we were at a First Baptist Church Fairfield. <laughs> and uh, it was a men's day service, and one of the lay people got up and said that, you know, he, he did his little sermon. And one thing that he said in his sermon, and it, it triggered something to me. He said, he, first of all, and this is what they do, they get out and they throw themselves under the bus just a little bit. Then they're gonna get a bulldozer and run it over you. So he talked about, you know, premarital sex with his wife and stuff like that. But then he started talking about homosexuality and he said these words. You know, I don't, I don't think that I could allow my family or myself to eat, even sit down and eat with somebody who was gay. And the people in the church just, I'm like, are y'all fucking serious? Like seriously, y'all? And like, it just really got me. And so finally it hit me the day before we had a men's breakfast. My friend Frank uh, saw the guy, he was like, hey, come sit with us. He literally looked at me and looked at Frank and said, no, nah, I'm gonna sit over there. And then the next day he did that sermon. That started my intro out of the church. You know, there were, anytime <laughs> I go to a church service and the pastor would say, start off with something in the Old Testament, it's like, oh, time to go, because I know where this is going to go. You know, and, and, and I just, I got to the point where church had become dangerous and harmful for me, and I'm just not going to be anywhere where I feel uncomfortable. Like, nobody's going to make me feel uncomfortable. So I just decided not to go. The one church where I thought where my pastor understood, didn't, you know, faking with the folks. And I was like, you know what, I don't need this. So I just decided that I didn't need to go to church anymore. But, Mom, you see that guy right there? Yes. That's my friend, Dave. I heard you all on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is on the podcast a couple times. But Dave is a uh, United Methodist minister, and he plants house churches. A house church is a different concept than what regular church is. And I'm going to plant a house church and probably be ordained in another year, too. Okay.
That mean I'll be a first G. <laughs> I just want to say this is, is that he is, he's, he's headstrong. He's been like that Lord. ever since he was a child, a little child. But what I've taught him, and Derek said the same thing, it does not matter about what people say about you. Because, like I said, they don't have any heaven or hell to put you in. And it's no telling what he's gone through or what he's done. And if he has not asked for forgiveness, and if he's sinning and asking forgiveness and continuing to do the same thing, where you going? So it's a place. It's a place for him. So, but oh, I'm just oh, praise ooh. the Lord, praise the Lord. That's all I can say. But don't don't let other people. If you're listening, don't let other people put you in a dark place. That's right. Know that you have somebody that you can talk to. Know that there's somebody there for you. Right. Please don't let anybody else put you in a dark place. Amen. 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 All right, church. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Religion, talk about school a little bit. Bullying. Like coming out, I don't want to be, you know, it's always the closet. I got to come out the closet. I'm the closet. Anyway, got to come out. And then bullying is one of those things that pushes you back in the closet. Sometimes, uh, in real life, will people will put you in places and say things to you and hurt your feelings and make you feel a certain way about who you are. What are some of those experiences that you've had as far as coming out? Because that's why we're here to talk about coming out, bullying about coming out. Or none. I can't say that I really experienced a lot of bullying. Like, like I think the one main, stuff that happened in school, but the one time I just remember, I ain't gonna call his name, but um, walking through the courtyard and somebody just like really loud yelled at me while I was out switching. And everybody started looking. So, me being me, and yes I was in middle school and I had a little smart mouth thing too, I just turned around and I said, well, why is you looking at my ass? <laughs> and everybody said, ooh. <laughs> and that was the beginning and the end of that. Okay. <laughs> so, that was it. I, that was it. And you know, as far as building goes, you know, you were calling me gay. I'm like, you know. And you know, I'm just going to move on. So, that was just me. So, I didn't really have a lot of that. Right. Okay, told a lot of bullying. Yes. Because you were bad. I was not bad, I was just <laughs> different. <laughs> So like Derek had, had an advantage over me in high school. One, it was a different time period. And second, he went to an all-black high school. Um, I went to a majority white high school. Um, and we grew up in a poor neighborhood. And one thing that people don't understand is the, um, the link between poverty and education, educational attainment. People who live in poverty typically don't. They can, but they don't have the opportunity to, to do the, the educational achievements of people. I have been like different intellectually since I was a small child. Like my, my, my baby memories, I can remember my sister learning to walk, she's just a year under me. So I've always been like in a different space. So when you are poor, if I'm a poor neighborhood, 
y'all are bust into a community in which they did something which is now illegal called tracking. Tracking is when they arrange kids in, in our homerooms according to their GPAs. Most of y'all probably are homerooms according to your last names. Um, the good white folk in Pleasant Grove, in order to keep the poor black kids away from their good white kids, they arrange them in, in homerooms according to GPAs. So I had a high GPA. So I was in the top homeroom. There were two other black people in that homeroom. Second homeroom, you had a few more black folks. Third homeroom, you had a few more, and the rest of them were in the fourth homeroom. So they, I got picked on, not necessarily for being gay, but just for being different. You know, I always had good grades. I was, my mama taught me to be manageable. Like I was, I was a good boy. So I got called, and those were, and it's, and, it's, and it's interesting, in our, you know, heteronormative, misogynistic society, men who have a gentle side are automatically called gay. You know, if you're, it's almost like if you're just nice, then something's wrong with you. You're not a real man. You know, and it, and it plays itself out in a lot of different ways, even in, in, in heterosexual relationships. So I was bullied, one, because I was smart and different. And then I just wasn't the boy boy that other boys were. Like, I wasn't gonna play football. Yeah, I wasn't bashing up on the field. You know, I had a little flicked uh, jump shot. You know, I wasn't, <laughs> I think the most, the most embarrassing, the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me, and, and this coach, we had our 20 year reunion, and he said something, he spoke to me, and I snapped at him, and he didn't understand why, but I was holding some, some anger from seventh grade. <laughs> We were, <laughs> we were out on the football, we were out on the football field for PE, and we we're playing football. And Coach Jones threw the football, and I caught it. And I didn't know how to hold a football, and I didn't play football. I, you know, and all I could hear him go was, "Look at Miss Walker go." <laughs> <laughs> but what I didn't realize was they do that to straight boys all the time. <laughs> but you know, I, I really, I'm hyperly sensitive because I am, you know, I knew I was different. <laughs> you know, never played football. And then this grown ass man referred to me as Miss Walker. Oh my God. Oh, that was the last time I think I touched football. <laughs> so, so for you to bullying was not just this just everyday situation, but a lot of times we hear stories of just. Oh, I was everyday. So I was everyday. Yeah, I was everyday. You know, too. So you were beat up as well. For being different or for being gay? I don't know. Like, I, I, the re one of the reasons why I got beat up still doesn't make any sense to this day. This guy thought that I was trying to take his girlfriend. So him and two of his friends caught me in the boys' bathroom. Two of them held my hand while the other just slapped my face for a minute. That was the fight? It wasn't no fight. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the deal? Yeah. Don't minimize it. We we won't do that. Okay. But I do want to though because somebody may be watching, maybe somebody here that's not out. And I when I asked the question initially about why it's important, why is this even why is this vital? Why is this necessary to come out? And I saw a hand back here, and I saw, I saw some movement over here, and I want to kind of know why it's important, and what would you tell somebody else that's contemplating making this grand announcement? And I would add this piece to it. 
had made an announcement about anything. So that leads me to ask, why is it necessary? And that's exactly my point. Why is it necessary? Again, like I understand from, <clears throat> you know, I understand the family perspective and, you know, letting those people know that are love you and that are close to you. But again, I don't agree in because why does it matter? And I guess it matters because the we know that people on the outside are going to look at you and treat you differently once and if they find out. And so I, I, it, I guess it's just to make other people comfortable. But, and you know, for some people it's to make them comfortable. You know, there are those people, I am gay, hear me roar, wear my flag, all, but you know, that's not everybody. That's the same with the Black Lives Matter. You know, we are, but most of us in here are black, but I, we're not all out there, you know, um, pounding the pavement in the, you know, in the streets. So it's just really what you're comfortable with. If you are ready to hear some, you know, stuff being said, then, you know, I'll so be it. But, you know, just do what's comfortable for you. Let me say this. I think. The, the problem is people make too many assumptions about people. Like we, we, we walk into a room and we automatically evaluate people and we look at them and we say, oh, well, she's mean because she's not smiling or, you know, he got a nice outfit, he must be gay, a straight man or just like that. You know, we, we walk into rooms and we, and we, and we make assumptions. Um, should someone have to come out? No, I don't think that they should have to come out. I think that so, so let me tell you what it looks like for me, or what it used to look like for me. <clears throat> I go out to a party or something, or I may go to a bar, and you know, I'm, I'm when I'm out, I'm really, really friendly, really gregarious. And nine times out of ten, some girl is gonna give me her phone, gonna give me her phone, and it's like, well, how do you? What, so that's on a need to know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, but then her feelings gonna be hurt. I mean, they're, they're, so so I, I just it's it's a hard road to navigate. Um, if you're young and can't support yourself, and you think your parents might be a fool, then I probably wouldn't come out just yet and pray that nobody drags you out the closet. Um, you know, so me and my mom we had an additional conversation. You know. When I first started working for AIDS Alabama, um, I was really cool with my gayness, but my HIV status was something I ain't really talked about. Mm. And so, and so, um, we five years ago when I first started working here, we started going over to Huffington High School to do an HIV test, and it was going to be my first time to tell my story about you know my acquisition of HIV, and I was like, okay, because I had started coming out to people when I test them. Uh, so I kind of got kind of comfortable with it. And um, we go over to Huffington High School, we get ready to go in, and all of a sudden it hits me. Your nephew T goes to Huffington, and you haven't told your family yet. How's this gonna work? So I'm sitting at the parking lot like, shit, <laughs> what am I gonna do? And um, I, call, I call my mom, and I said, um, hey mom, how you doing? And you know, how good, baby? So I'm like, somebody need to tell you. And she was like, what? I said, well, um, I'm over at TE school and we're gonna do a presentation today and talking about HIV. Oh, that's nice. 
I said, well, um, I'm going to talk about my own story because I'm HIV positive. She's like, okay, well, are you taking meds? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, they seem to be working for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right then. I said, you don't have no questions, now I'm good. She ain't asked if I gave it. Uh, and then uh, I said, well, look, I know you and the girls are going to talk, because my mom and my sister talk every day. Like, I know y'all going to talk. If you have any questions, you know, just got to let me know. Okay, we will. Well, that was five years ago. We still ain't had any follow-up discussions on it. <laughs> uh, and again, I, my situation is not typical. I mean, it's not typical at all. I think the fact that me and my mom kind of grew up together may have something to do with that. Um, and I just wish more parents could could just look at their children and see that these are my babies. You know, regardless of how you identify, gay, lesbian, trans, it doesn't matter. These are your children. And they're always gonna be your children. And I just really question anybody who has a religious belief that is so strong that it will make you not love your child. Like, find the God in that for me. Like, find the God in that for me. You know, um, so I, I've, been, I've been fortunate in that. Oh, it was, uh, it was uh, National Coming Out Day last week. Last week. So some people may have wanted to, may have wanted to, but just didn't know how to or, or had questions. So this has been a great forum to kind of get some, some, some juice, maybe. You, you said that. Why is come out? Oh, so we're gonna stick on that one. Okay. For me, my best reason to come out to parents mm -hmm. and siblings is because they're your biggest allies. And when you go out into this world, it's a mean, nasty place. Mm -hmm. And I got some sisters sitting around me, some brothers sitting around me, and I love them. And I trust many of them. But when I really need somebody, I can always rely on angels and marvelous. Even if Crystal's not available or Tony's not available, I know that those people are going to be the people that I can depend on. So at least for those individuals, I feel like I can announce it to the world. But I think just for your core people, they need to know who you are and what you believe and how you feel so that when they get out into this cruel world, because there are going to be times when people are going to say, Church, you know your child's gay? Kind of situation you want to and I love my son. And y'all like, you know, whatever the whatever the the the, the whatever you know the conversation however it goes, you want them to be comfortable enough that they can handle the conversation. You don't want them to be in a place where they're kind of caught guard or they're in a place where they're not um, they have been educated on this type of thing. Yeah. So I think that's the important reason. At least for family. Now, other people, we don't have to tell them anything. But just for me personally, I think that's your best reason to want to come out. Okay. You know. Yeah. Piggyback off him, it may be important, but, you know, flip that point. And you have someone like me who parents know, oh, you should pray more. You should have did this. They kind of revert things on you. Mm -hmm. So, friends are not poor yeah. and not family. When family has let me down years, they love me. But I can't go and discuss 
a failed relationship or how I'm feeling or right. get advice on my, you know, on things that are happening with me because they just don't want to talk about it, you know. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, you need to pray. Have you been to church lately? You know, that kind of stuff. It's never, whatever well, it's talking about, well, how, you know, how did this even come about? How are you feeling? They couldn't tell you what I've been doing the last two years. Right. So this is my point. For me, it's like sometimes you wonder, was it even worth it? Should I have just kept it? That, and that's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So it's, it, it, it can go both ways. So, so, the, so it's individualized. It is individualized, so that's when we say that you can always find somebody to talk to. I think Chris was talking about uh, when he spoke with his therapist, or like the different the different opportunities where he was able to just talk about anything. You can. You can do that. So like, I need to kind of rehearse if I want to or not. I don't know if I want to. If I did, what would I say? That's the type of stuff that you come and talk to us about. The ghetto, please. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say one thing. Mm -hmm. It's also, I think it's important to have some type of support or uh, a group of uh, people or a support system for those people that can't come out to their parents or their parents don't understand. It, it, it really bothers me when I hear this young lady say that, you know, she should have, her parents are saying, you know, she should have prayed more or this type of thing. That means that they, they sit and they judged her when they hadn't even read the Bible. They really don't know what the word says. Okay? But they've already uh, poured out judgment over her, over the things that she's done. And that's so sad. That burns me up. It just really burns me up. You know, that they can find something wrong. And I guarantee you that there's, I, I guarantee you there's things in their lives. Okay? There are things in their lives. So I guess they feel like God is not going to judge them on the things that they've done. Okay, because those were, see that was a little, those were the little bitty things, you know. We, you know, like some people said, a little white light, no, 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 uh-uh, no, it's everything. But that really burns me up. But it needs to be a support system. Support is mandatory. So we have a question on one of the live feeds. There, did you, look at it. Yeah. I didn't quite understand. Oh. What does it say, Jennifer? It says, if the outsiders aren't already a part of your inner circle, why do you bring let them in? Hmm. If the outsiders aren't already a part of your inner circle, why do you bring or let them in? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I, th I think we need to understand what that person means by outsiders. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have outsiders and insiders in our lives. And maybe they're talking about people who feel like they need to make this public proclamation or do a parade to set their game. Uh, I never felt like, <coughs> excuse me, I, I never felt like I had to do that. Um, I've always told people, when, they, when people ask me about what, like people ask me sometimes, well, are you gay? And my question, my answer would always be, now you crazy enough to ask me that, I'm crazy enough to tell you. But how you deal with it is gonna be how you deal with it. You you deal with how how I identify. That's not my problem. You know that's totally not my problem. So I mean, sometimes you have to bring outsiders in to be your support group, like Crystal. Um, I'll still I'll say this. Uh, there was my mom has always been really cool uh, with my with me being gay. My stepdad not so much. Uh, it wasn't one of those things where it was obvious, but you just knew for a moment you weren't kind of welcome. 
So I actually had to call out some outsiders to be my, my, my family for a while. You know, thank y'all we moved past that. <clears throat> but sometimes you might have to find a temporary family or <clears throat> a new permanent family. Because sometimes people are always gonna understand. That's true. We, our model at AS Alabama is housing is healthcare, and we have a lot of people who probably could have housing with their family, they just don't want them there. But one point about um, the support and about the need to be out or why that's important. So it's freedom in being out. It's freedom in being able to be who you are as opposed to having to hide who you are, be down low, or be apprehensive about, you know, what do I tell this person that wants to date me that I don't know. I, I am who I am, so it should not be a problem with being out. The only other issue is that piece about support and housing. If I am out, then what happens to me? How does my life change then? I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe I should have um, written a letter and I already had an apartment somewhere. You know, just thinking about different ways to be able to come out. So that may be helpful to somebody else to really, really get that support that you need before you make a decision to do so. Um, I think it's an important conversation to have when you're talking about being a marginalized identity in a society that's full of uh, the majority that may be hegemonic in nature and that may be heterosexual. I think a, a, a part of being LGBTQ and also HIV positive, I, I find power in coming out because it's a reflection of somebody else that's in the community that may not see an individual that is, you know, together, that is actually mentally stable, emotionally stable, that know that there are resources available and know that there is community for your chosen family or your given family where you can have that conversation. And I think that that's one of the aspects of being LGBTQ when, they're, when you're speaking about the opposition the outside. Um, what it does it, is it creates discourse in a community that they've created that's a fantasy. They think that no gay people exist and then you come and you create an environment where another, another young gay person or another gender non-conforming person or insert whatever marginalized identity sees a reflection of themselves, maybe maybe older than they are, and that gives them hope. And I believe that that's a part of the conversation that also is very imperative when we talk about navigating as much as I Any other questions or comments? Just be safe. Be yeah. safe coming out. Yeah. What do you mean? Like Carrie said earlier, if you got crazy parents, and you know this was not going to work out until that 15. Me or 
afraid. So I'll just come out knowing that you're gonna put me out, but I'm in no different or better or worse place than I was before I, I came out. And then I think just think about like why am I coming out? Is it for me? Is it for you? Is it for our community? That's telling the say. And so and people come out for different reasons. And for whatever the reason is, I, I just believe that it's crucially important for people to come out because it's important to them and for people who feel that it's not important to come out and I feel that it's not important to come out because I want to just support the position that the individual have. But for those who do come out, I do think that it's worth celebrating those individuals because there's enormous strength in that. Um, because a lot of times people just don't know, you know which way the coin is going to end up. Um, and, um, and, and again, it's just worth celebrating that. But I just wanted to, to speak to that. You have a very valid point, though, but I just let, let me say this. We're not saying don't come out is not important, but you should be, you should definitely watch how you come out. So after my family embraced me, one of my friends went to Alabama a &M, um, and we had a party over my apartment one night, and I was telling you know, they were really cool, and you know, me and my mom talked about this, that, and that. And one of my friends got the big idea to go home and tell his folks. Well, I thought his folks knew he was about six, um, just very girly, just like there's no way that you didn't know this boy was gay. Like there's no way. And he went home and told his parents that he was gay. They put him out. They stopped paying for college. And he was destitute. Now for me, I probably wouldn't know the year if I knew my mom was a fool and finished college. And then tell him, then tell him to kiss your ass out <laughs> but you know, and there there are certain times like what we have thirteen, we have thirteen, fourteen year, and we're about to get a a, a a homeless shelter now for you. Like, and I'm sorry, but it's not worth a fourteen year old being on the street, being taken, getting taken advantage of. One of the reasons why we have so many young people who acquire HIV is because they have older people who prey upon them because they sue the past to put them out. You know. Um, and there's no good, or there is no good time, but there are some bad times to come out. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, the biggest part most people have, I think they're not honest with themselves. You know, I think once we can reconcile who we are with ourselves, the rest of the world really doesn't matter a whole lot. But I definitely think that there should be some thought process going into it because you end up 12 years only in a place to live. I mean, and people do that. We know, we know that happens, you know. You talk about your dad. Uh, his dad's from the old school. His, <laughs> his dad thought that he had made a choice and he could change. You understand that he didn't understand the whole thing. He just knew that he went out to school, he done learned something new, so now you got to unlearn it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to some people if I have to. Me too. Okay. I will, I will do that. Me too. That goes into my second part. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
session about it, volunteer. So the overarching purpose of this was for us to get some support in the black community for kids and families. Uh, I talked to my mom earlier. I was already going to volunteer you, Larry. Uh, but I want this to be like the beginning of us having something similar to what P-Flag is for, for, for the white community. Um, you know, people think that, oh, if we create this, then the black people should be able to do it. There are some cultural differences that, that exist, whether we want to admit it or not, we're not all the same. And um, so, we, this is my purpose, and I'm glad that you are doing this. But yeah, so this is going to be the beginning of us forming a support group for parents who need somebody to talk to. Um, um, this is going to be something that me and my team are going to, Rashad, I was going to work on development, but I do want it to be a, 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 a resource for, for, for African-American parents, especially here in Birmingham. We have a lot of parents, and I think a lot of times parents just don't know what to do. I think they just don't know what to do. But hopefully, you know, seeing other people who are willing to help them or walk with them through this, it's not to see y'all some good old church going with. You know, because they don't listen to y'all. Come on back in. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that your that your vision has to take shape. Necessary conversation. How do y'all feel about it? Well, I feel. I feel good. I, feel good. I, I, do, I do too. I do too. So hopefully somebody else that was watching or somebody that'll see this later will feel good about the decision that they want to make or the decision that they decided not to make. They'll feel okay about it. And to also know that there are resources available and people who are resources that are available to you. Can I say one more thing? One more thing, Mama. Parents. <laughs> a lot of parents feel ashamed when their child. See, this is not about Tony. This is about me. You understand? You know, I don't want people to know that that he's gay because they don't look at me. Oh, you got you got gay or a lesbian child, they, they forget about the child. They forget about the person, and it becomes personal to them. And if we can get them to understand, it ain't about you. It's not about you. So if we can get them to understand that, that it's not about them, but it's about your child, understanding your child, loving your child, whatever. If, 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 he, if he has a mate, love that mate. That's right. Because that's a part of him. But getting them to understand that it's not about them. So, so, <laughs> so if you are, you know, you know, have identified, not come out, come out, need a place to go in Birmingham. The hub is located at 2217 6th Avenue South. Uh, we are open most days. Uh, you can give us a call at 205-703-4199. If you want to come by, uh, we, we do testing, uh, HIV and SCI testing. We offer support for people in the community. We don't care how old you are. You can be a late in life gay or a new in life gay. We don't care. We just want you to know that this is a place where you can be supported. Um, we're going to start our mom's group. We don't have to work on that. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to inbox us on any of our platforms. 
Uh, I want to say thank you to Lady Wu from the Bible Show. Uh, of course, thanks to our mothers, our, our friends, this was something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I think that we're going to continue to do more things like this because we do need to build up our friends. I mean, we really do. Vital is doing, you know, we do dating, mating, and relating on the third Sunday. So Sunday we'll be at the vault for Are You Ready? That's the topic for this one. And this is a component of the conversation that's never been included. There's never been any open out conversation that's been a part of our heterosexual conversation. I want y'all to come out and school people that don't know. Bring that awareness and that 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 uh, part of the conversation about relationships to the ball on Sunday at 4 p.m. Okay, that will be really interesting. That'll work. All right, so I also want to recognize our uh, tech guy. We have Rashawn on the same pair of different days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, you can uh, go to Facebook and like the Bible Show. Uh, same Crack Different Day is on most of the major platforms, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, you name it, we're there. So again, thank y'all for coming out and uh, hope you're home. Peace.